On this edition of Alberta Dugout Stories, the podcast, we begin a series of Baseball Academy profiles from here in our province, and we chat with a 2018 MLB draft pick of the San Diego Padres. Welcome once again to Alberta Dugout Stories, the podcast. I am Joe McFarland. A couple of great interviews coming your way. Later on, we'll sit down with Eric Sabrowski about getting drafted this summer by the San Diego Padres, as well as his recent Tommy John surgery. But first, if you head to albertadugoutstories.com for the next few weeks, we'll be profiling several of the academies here in our province. Ian Wilson's been hard at work writing out the details surrounding the programming, the schedules, the coaches, and the notable alumni, among other things, for each of the academies. So we thought we'd do the same kind of thing for the podcast and chat with each of the academies as we roll them out on the website. The first we profiled is Dogs Academy in Okotoks, which is where we found general manager and coach Tyler Hollick. Tyler, first off, thanks for doing this and thanks for joining us on the podcast. Absolutely, thanks for having me. Let's talk about Dogs Academy and maybe the first days of it, because I know you're an alum of it as well as being the GM, so you've got a, a pretty extensive background when it comes to uh, Dogs Academy. For sure. Um, well, the Academy, a lot of people you know, aren't fully aware of, actually started back in, in 1996 with the Calgary Dogs. Um, a little group started there with, with Donna Tanner, managing director of, of the whole place now. Um, I had two sons, uh, Vince and Matt, that were... Uh, pretty good, and, and they had a pretty good little group there all growing up together, and you kind of want to get that little league mantra with, with the rest of the, the parent group that they had there, and um, decided to do a little bit more, so they went and a full travel schedule and then realized they had a pretty good group that were really serious about baseball, and as, as they developed, they had a lot of professional players that came out of that, a lot of Division One athletes, and, and a lot of kids that went off to college, so, and, and Vince Matthew ended up playing both, uh, have really good careers at University of Niagara, divisional program there in, in the Northeast. Um, highlighted kind of by you know, Jim Henderson was was a major leaguer out of there, our only major leaguer in the program's history, and having three dozen saves and pitching the big leagues with the Brewers and the Mets. So um, when they came back uh, from from college, you know, year after year, John kind of realized that they needed a place to play um, for for collegiate or for in collegiate summer league. So they decided to start the Calgary Dogs collegiate team. Um, once they all graduated, there was a, a few hiatus, a few years hiatus there where they um, were kind of looking for the next steps of, of you know, the next generation of, of kids when, when John's kids were off into the professional world or um, ended up actually coaching. And in 2007, we found a home in Okotoks. Um, that's my, that was my first year in the academy um, in, the, in the Okotoks side of it and uh, played four years there. Stephen Stadium was built as, as a big part of it. And then in, in 2009, uh, Duvernay Fieldhouse, our $3 million indoor facility, um, was built to, to kind of combat the weather and make sure that, you know, the kids are – you know, my team or my group was able to start training you around, and it's kind of it's kind of blossomed from there. So, um, since then, fast forward about eight years, uh, it's been a pretty crazy ride. Um, I ended up uh, going out of college, and, and we've had a 100% graduation rate ever since that year. That means uh, every player that's graduated our program has had the opportunity to go play college baseball via you know um, scholarship or, or down in Canada or down in the United States or in Canada, and, and uh, it's been pretty cool. So. Um, obviously, there's been you know various draft picks and, and players going on to some pretty prominent programs as well. So, the the program does a lot in terms of that uh, with the facilities. But I think the biggest thing to emphasize that you know 
with the facilities is that, you know, the coaching staff that we've been able to put together here. We have 11 full-time coaches. Um, I think the biggest sell or the biggest, um, you know, biggest deal in our program is that the, the staff that runs this place, obviously led by John Urkandy and, and the passion that he has for, for everything is filtered straight down through me and the, and the rest of the staff. But, you know, whether you're a two-way player, maybe you play infield and you pitch, um, you're working with Val Heldau, our infield coordinator with a gold glove in NCAA and, um, and he's working with those every day. And then Alan Cox, I think, is the best hitting coach in the country, and he's been coaching for the last 27 years. And you, know, you go to hitting with Alan and myself, and hop on the mound, and there's three uh, professional pitching coaches with you know 39 years of professional pitching experience, and um, two full-time strength condition coordinators, and a nutritionist, and you know athletic therapists, and everything that the players need um, to make sure that they're getting to the next level. So um, yeah, the, the program has grown quite a bit since '96, and. I'm just just proud to be a part of it. It takes a lot more than just one or two people to get a project like this off the ground. And I know the Dogs and Dogs Academy are are very grateful for what the community has done uh, for that project. Yeah, I know. I I think it goes without saying um, how much has been put into this project as a whole and and into the academy and to the the collegiate summer team and the Dogs organization as a whole. It's, It's pretty special with the... With the leadership of John Candy and his group of, of Mike Rose and, and all the stuff that he's donated for us and, and been able to, you know, provide a year-round facility and, and a secondary field for, for the academy, as well as, you know, Don and Doc Seaman, um, when, when they stepped up and when we first needed a home and it was Seaman Stadium there. And um, it's been unbelievable. So, um, you know, obviously it's been able to provide me with a, with a next-level baseball experience, the next generation of dogs as well. But um, it's provided um, an opportunity for kids to get to the next level. And um, like like Don says quite often, it's one of the best investments they ever made. So it's pretty cool to hear that with how much success he's had and um, just the the level of philanthropy that, that's um, that they've provided for us. And, um, you yeah, know, we're extremely grateful for it, for sure. It's become a gem within Southern Alberta, in a sense. And the the crazy part about it, I think, is that it's not just baseball at the end of the day. It's definitely not. Um, and, and that's something that, you know, I, I, I preach and preach to, to everybody that I, that I talked to about the program, the players, the, the rest of the staff. And aside from the fact that the, these kids are working really hard to do baseball, we have them, you know, part of running camps. And, and, and we, you know, we run camps for, you know, every South County Little League. Um, and and I'll, I'll, uh, also FNBA, but you know they're they're active members of the community. So not only are are, are we helping the young generation of, of baseball players, but they're a part of that. So not only are they they're going through their own journey, but you know they're required to come in on Saturday and Sunday afternoons and and, and help out and, and help some kids be the next dogs or you know pursue their dreams of playing baseball or sport at the next level. Um, on top of that. Um, you know, what's, what's really important that I think is, is a really strength of a program is the academic side. I know that they, I know that they have to get to, um, a certain level of baseball to, to achieve their dreams, whether it's playing division one or professionally or, or to get drafted, whatever it may be. Um, but without academics, that's really the only thing that's guaranteed. So, um, you know, if, if they get hurt in college or, you know, they just, they don't perform or, or, you know, maybe they never quite get that shot to play professionally and continue their dream of playing baseball. Um, academics will be there and, and with the two schools in town that we have are um, just unbelievable um, first of all the the first school is a holy trinity academy with uh, um, that's the school I graduated from and it's it's phenomenal with, with Carmen Ostafichuk and, and her staff leading over there it's 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 a quite special school with the level of, of prestige and the academics that they um, instill and the standard of the academic standard that they have um, 
driven towards the dogs. And the secondary, you know, school uh, or the second school in town is um, Foothills Composite High School, which is basically like a small university. They have an academic uh, advisor, academic counselor, or um, academic coach, sorry, two personal wellness counselors, a humanities tutor, um, a math and science tutor, and, and, and the vice principal and principal are directly both look after the dogs. Um, and are both ex-athletes, which is which is huge for us. So I um, just can't say enough of, uh, about the appreciation we have for both schools and, and the, the level of, um, you know, education it provides to those to the kids and um, how well it prepares them getting off to college. So, um, yeah, it, it is really much more than just, just baseball. It's been a lot of fun to watch sort of the progression of that facility, especially since moving out to Oak Tokes. And I wonder what kinds of things are being offered? What kinds of age groups are you guys catering to? And how do you hope they progress through the the, the academy? Um, right now there's six teams in the academy. So there's a 13U, so a PV team, two Bantam teams, which which typically essentially works out to a 14U and a 15U. We have a 16U team, um, kind of for those players that are making that jump from the, the 80-54 um, Bantam field, and they, they're kind of making that transition for that 16U team to make it on the big field. And then there's two 18U teams, which are are no longer part of you know baseball Alberta or the Northwest League. They're they're full travel. Typically, they travel together and 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 play uh, um, playing you know travel tournaments around the United States and Canada. And, and we're trying to seek out the best competition. We played 12 games against colleges last year and, and looking at going on a big West Coast trip next year. So um, the biggest goal for us, from when you're you know you're 12 years old all the way up to when you're 18 years old and graduating, going off to college. Uh, let's prepare them on and off the field for college baseball. Um, and the college baseball part, you know, is probably the least important part that we're preparing them for. It's just the whole thing that goes into that. So what I mean by that is is when these kids are going out to play baseball, we feel that our baseball product and our coaching staff and the knowledge they're getting in the competition, the amount of reps, is going to be suitable for them to be able to step on, you know, campus day one and compete. But all the other stuff is what's important, you know making sure they're not homesick and, and taking care of their grades and being respectful of their teachers and being active in the community, all these things that go into being a college athlete besides just playing baseball. So, you know, that, that's our goal right when from their fall all the way into, you know, 18, 17, 18 years old graduating going off to college. Not only are you guys uh, bringing in some top knowledge, uh, top uh, of the grade local talent but you guys are also able to bring in some talent from across the country and you look at Micah McDowell and some of these other kids who are are calling Okotoks home even though they're not from here originally is that something that you guys actively go out and recruit or is that something where your reputation has allowed you to bring in some of the best talent across the country um so the original vision um, and, and, and nothing has really changed from them is to subsidize local talent, um, which we're very, very proud of. And we think we have a really good crop of kids in the in the Foothills, Calgary area that are, you know, deserving of, of a chance to, to get to the next level and, and very fortunate to have a facility built in their area. Um, and that's primarily, we're about 80% local, especially from the, the 16 and under age group down. Um, to help subsidize that, we, we do go in on to recruit. I'm the recruiting coordinator, so we do, you know, hop from, province to province we actually recruit internationally so you know throughout the united states we got our first american up this year we have four kids from mexico city uh, we have a player from from beijing china um new zealand dubai venezuela uh the republic we've had so um, and now we have a player from every province in canada so basically what our what our vision is is um the the old adage if you're good enough they'll find you is not true especially in baseball in canada that's that's what we believe so you know, you look at a University of Florida or a 
LSU or, uh, you know, Oregon State. They're not coming up to Canada to find one player. They're coming up here to look at, um, just like at the T12, which is a phenomenal event put on by the, the Toronto Blue Jays at the Rogers Centre, or, you know, these big scouting tournaments down in the States, um, or PBR, which is, a, you know, had a pretty good um, uptick in the past few years across North America. They're coming to watch, you know, 25 or 30 good players. So they can come up here and hopefully sign two or three of them and they can improve their program. So um, that's kind of what we're looking to do. So when they come up and watch a season of a lamb, who's, you know, committed to Oregon State, the number one school in the country, or Michael McDowell, also committed to Oregon State, um, T12 MVP, and, you know, Cesar Valero obviously is the number one draft prospect in Canada, and they're coming up to watch him. They're also going to notice Dryden House and a Alejandro Cazorla and a and Matt Wilkinson and, you know, many other players where they can kind of look at it and say, wow, you know, I, I knew you had this guy, and, but who's that other guy that, you know, went two for four with double or, um, you know, threw six shot innings with, with 14 punch outs. So, so the attraction is, is that when we bring in all these players from all over the world, they're all over, all over the place. Um, you know, obviously we're getting better tournaments and everything like that, but they're also coming up to see everybody, not just one or two players. So, um, yeah, it is something we, we do actively recruit. Uh, we believe in our product, and we think there's a lot to offer kids that, you know, maybe are in a rural area or um, really want to go to the next level um, athletically but also academically. So. Talk a little bit about the the local talent that we have here around Southern Alberta, because it seems as though every year there's a couple of kids who are making big hay down stateside. Uh, yeah, super underrated is what I would put it. Canadians can play, and I think people are starting to see that um, more and more. You know, if we take out all the players that have been recruited from from other provinces, and you take out you know the the Southern Alberta talent, there, there's a lot of good. Um, players coming out here you look at you even uh you know you're talking about eric sabrowski you know what he's done and, and been able to do at cloud county and, and had a really good career from from the prospects program and now you know got drafted and you know hopefully he'll come back healthy and everything good there and you look at soroka who was able to you know get drafted in the first round but you know plenty of players that are, are local from, from this area alone so you're looking at you know cesar valero who, who was essentially raised in calgary raised in our program um and, and the opportunity that he's going to get to go down and play in, in Oregon State and obviously defending national champions. And, and Justin King at University of Alabama, a born-and-raised kid right from Okotoks, Alberta. And um, all these different players that are, are getting the opportunity. Matt Lloyd, who's at University of Indiana. And then, you know, well before that, you look at um, – this is nothing new, but with the amount of exposure and technology and all these scouting tournaments, you look at a Jim Henderson, who ended up playing in the major leagues, born and raised in Calgary era. Um, Emerson Frost had born and raised in Calgary right through the dogs program that, you know, was able to uh, play at the triple of the Rangers and the Astros and, and, you know, James Avery's, you know, same thing. So it is, it is, um, it is pretty cool to see these kids get the opportunity and also be recognized as, you know, some of the top talent in North America because obviously Canada is not known as a, as a baseball first country, but, you know, I think a lot of these kids in Southern Alberta are making noise to, to kind of change that. Is this an opportunity, in a sense, for Dogs Academy and others to maybe pounce on? Is the idea that, hey, and I know I talk to a lot of parents who say hockey is out of their price range now, and football, there's obviously concerns around concussions. So do you get the sense that maybe there is a little bit of a a movement towards uh, baseball because it is a a tried-and-true sport? Yeah, and I think it starts from the grassroots level. I think it really does. The you know, FNBA here in the, in the local area has done a really good job. Foothills Minor Baseball Association has done a really good job of employing good coaches and not uh, instilling you know, young leaders in the in the game of baseball to to inspire the the youth. And I think that you know, the more you see that in, in their specific areas, I think you're going to see a higher number of kids playing baseball. Now, I don't 
I don't know, um, you know, what every parent's thinking in, in the country, but we have heard a lot of backlash of hockey and, and football and all these different sports um, that they want their kids to play baseball because they've seen the opportunities that some of these kids are getting. So, yeah, I think I think it is a big thing. I think there, there you know, a little bit has to do with the success of the Toronto Blue Jays, but more just, um, you know, how personable they are in, in, in the community and how you know, interactive, you know, uh, they, they've made and how accessible they've made Major League Baseball and um, that kind of highest level to look at. So it is it is something that I think it, it, we're, we're seeing a big influx in numbers and, um, you know, happy to support it. The one thing about Okotoks in particular, I, I can honestly say, um, from my experience and, and, and knowing what I know about the community and the town and how welcoming they've been to the, the program is, is uh, and the whole organization as a whole, but... Um, this is a baseball first community, and that's that's the only one I think I can say in Canada for sure that we are we we are a baseball first community. We support you know the Oak Oaks Oilers hockey team, the Junior Hockey team in town, and a lot of other you know great great things going on here. But um, they love their dogs baseball, and they think it's a it's a pretty big deal. A lot of our players are, are treated like the Yankees in town when they're around, so it's it is a lot of fun. Well, and it doesn't hurt when you have a, a jam packed crowd at Siemens Stadium on a hot summer day for sure. Um, what I'm wondering from a dog's academy perspective, how do you define success from a player perspective? Um, yeah, this one's tricky. So um, this might be a little bit weird for people, and, and you know, they, they a lot of people, you know, would, would think or, or you know, with the Oak Oaks Dogs, it's such a glorified baseball program. Um, it's it has really nothing to do with baseball. So you know. The biggest thing that I always talk to our players about and, and, and the young men they're becoming is I just hold them to the highest standards. So, you know, on-field success is, is certainly a component of it. Um, but there's there's so much that goes into being a dog. You're looking at, you know, academic success. Um, like I said, holding up to your academic standard. Um, you know, the impact in the community. Uh, with six teams here, whether you're 18 or 13 years old, you know, we all wear the same name across our chest. So, are you impacting the younger guys and helping them along their journey? And are you, are you being supportive of that? Um, I tell everybody this that comes in, and, and this is something that's preached to our players shoot every day. Um, you know, whether you go down in the States and play four years of college baseball and you have a great career at, you know, in Oregon State or wherever it may be, or you end up playing 20 years professionally like one of our coaches did, Lou Pote, and, and you know, maybe you end up wearing a Hall of Fame jacket even at the end of your career. Um, eventually that jersey is coming off your back. So, you're no longer going to be identified as a baseball player. So, you know, what do you want to be remembered by? What do you want to be identified as? You know, are you a good husband? Are you a good father? Um, are you are you active in the community? You know, are you have you been a good teammate? You know, are you competitive? Are you a lot of things that you know baseball will teach you along the way without really knowing it? But you're never going to be a baseball player forever. So, what what do you want to be remembered by? And that's that's what people in, in, in our program, I'm really proud of, of the alumni we have and the young men that we have in this program because I believe in our kids. I, I think our kids are great kids, and, and they work harder than anybody in, in North America at any sport uh, with the amount of hours they're putting in here, but they're getting a lot out of it that they, they don't even realize yet. So um, it's uh, the, the, athletic, the athletic piece of it is obviously important to them because that's all they're focused on. And, um, a lot of them are having really successful careers and going off and either getting drafted or playing, you know, high-level college baseball, and that's that's great. I think that's fantastic. But beyond that, what else? What else do you bring to the table? I think that's a that's a big thing. So. Might be a bit of a uh, personal question for you here, but I wonder what does it mean to you to be able to give back to the program that you were a part of in the beginning? Uh, everything. <laughs> it means everything. 
Uh, this is this is a big part of my life. This is where I was I was raised. I was coached by um, our managing director, John Arcandia's two sons, Matt and Vince, along with some other great young coaches at the, at the time, and um, that really shaped me along my way. I was in a, obviously a very impressionable age, and you know grades nine through twelve, and that's kind of when kids can go left to right, and they get, have an extra curricular that turns into a passion, that turns into a career. Um, outside of school and outside of other things is, is huge. Um, when I got released from the Giants in, in spring training in 2015, I had some other offers to continue playing. Nothing, nothing crazy to, to you know call home about, but there were some independent ball offers and some other things that I you know I could have kept playing. It would have been a great opportunity that um, some some great baseball people were providing me with. But um, I think since I was about 15, 16 years old, this is the the, the role I'm in now is exactly what I've always wanted to do. Is um, when you play and, and you have your own career, um, it's all about you. So that's great. There, there's a time to, to be selfish and, and kind of think about it. And that's, uh, for most people, that's what it's all about. And, and, and I think that's great. Um, but for me, for me to be able to impact, you know, multiple lives and multiple kids in, in, in their journey and help them along, you know, getting a college scholarship or, you know, experiencing things that they, they never would have been able to do without, you know, the dogs program or seeing in different parts of the country and, and being put in different so, in, in social situations and all these different things, um, is is everything so um i'm super proud of, of the program i'm uh, very happy with the way you know things have gone and obviously it's uh big things are coming so it's, it's going to be a it's going to be a fun journey tyler i appreciate the time and the insights into dogs academy and looking forward to seeing uh, everything uh, transpire as it should uh in the years ahead Awesome, Joe. Thank you so much for your time. We're looking forward to another Academy Profile on next week's podcast as well. Now we turn our attention to someone who's turned a lot of heads in Alberta's baseball world in 2018. Edmonton's Eric Sabrowski took his game to a whole new level at Cloud County College, both as a hitter and on the mound. Who could forget that 18 strikeout performance he had in March, which led to a story on our website He then got drafted by San Diego in this summer's MLB draft. Now he's on the mend from Tommy John's surgery, so he's had an opportunity to sit down and watch a few Oilers games. We had a chance to sit down with the 21-year-old. Eric, thanks so much for joining us on the podcast. What I want to start with is your 2018, and I'm curious, right out of the gate, what stands out as the highlight for you? It'd It'd be hard not to say the draft. Uh, I think it was June 14th was the day when I got the call. And that, you know, that, that's a, just a big day in anybody's life mm-hmm. to uh, kind of, you, you're young, you're 20 years old and you reach a, a lifetime goal really, or one of them. And it's, uh, it's exciting, but you know, it's the start of something new. Uh, you kind of, you start back down at a bottom rung and have to work your way up again. Was that expected, and were the Padres expected? Yeah, I, I, it was expected to get drafted, not that high, and not to have them uh, be that big on me. That was unexpected, and I was, you know, surprised and pleasant, pleasantly surprised with that. And yeah, the Padres are probably the front runner. There was, there's a couple other teams that I was wouldn't have been surprised to get a call from. So walk us through that day, and when you get that phone call, were you waiting by the phone expecting that, or what were you doing while uh, while that phone call was being made? Uh, it was it was in the morning. Uh, I was just you know I just finished breakfast, and I was sitting around. I had my laptop open. They had a 
a little uh, stream kind of going where the names would flash across the board. And yeah, no, I, I saw my name pop up and there's a little bit of shock. And within, you know, 10 seconds, my phone was ringing and it was the, uh, the area scout from Kansas for the Padres that uh, I had been talking with. And yeah, it was him. He called me, said, congrats, bud. You know, he excited. We kind of, we didn't talk any money or anything like that. He just said, yeah, you know, congrats. I'll, uh, I'll give you a call in a couple hours when things kind of sunk in. Who was the first person you called after that? I called my dad. Just, you know, your dad's there for you. And uh, I thought it was, uh, he, he's, he's, you know, he's a guy I played catch with growing up, and he's a guy who went to a lot of my games. And, uh, yeah, I, I decided I'd give him a call first. What was that conversation like? Um, I don't remember. <laughs> you it kind was, of black out sometimes when, when you're that excited. Yeah, I, I think that's what happened. I, I don't, I don't remember calling him actually. I, I remember calling my mom afterwards, mm-hmm. but just that first couple minutes right afterwards, it was kind of, it's, it's a blur. It's one of those things I think when you reach not necessarily the pinnacle because you're still on your way there, but when you've reached a goal, that that level of excitement has to be uh, almost numbing to a certain extent. Yeah, I I agree a hundred percent, especially because I can't remember you know the first couple minutes. Mm-hmm. Obviously, through the course of the year, we followed you and, and talked different stories, and I mean you had a, a great year at Cloud as well. Um, when it comes to the college year that you had what sticks out for you um any performances in particular and, and beyond that what did you take away from cloud i think the first thing that sticks out was just uh you know the the ability to mesh with a group of guys that i only got to know for for a year considering that I, I transferred during the summer um i was nervous going into cloud i had just had a in by my standards a, a terrible year in, in Texas and I was looking for a new spot and I, I got really lucky with uh, cloud and, and how I meshed with the coaching staff and had a couple friends that were already on the team and a couple, couple guys went to cloud with me and I, I, it just ended up being a really, a really good spot for me. Was it one of those situations where the more fun you have, the better you seem to play? Oh yeah. That, that team, we, we had a lot of fun. Um, whether it be, you know, uh, a couple guys lived off campus, we'd go hang out there or in the locker room or, or even on the field. Uh, we, we had fun as a group. We, a lot of guys, we, we got to know each other pretty well and, uh, yeah, I had fun and, you know, bus trips, bus trips were awesome. They sucked because, you know, they, there's not much to do <laughs> in Kansas, but drive, but they, they were fun and, like I said, we, we found a good group of guys, and we kind of clicked together. Well, and it doesn't hurt when you've already got those relationships because there were a few other guys from Edmonton and area in Alberta that were able to be a part of that squad as well. When it comes to your abilities, and, and Canadian Baseball Network came out with its college all-star roster, and here you are not just taking up one spot but two as a pitcher and also as a fielder. Did that, what does it mean to you to, to get those kind of accolades along the way from people who are paying attention to you from back home in Canada? Well, I use fielder loosely. I'm pretty sure I was on there as a DH. So, <laughs> Fair enough. I guess I could swing. 
swing it a little. Um, no, it's it's really cool to be have have those honors. Um, it's cool that you know CBN has that list and uh, profiles just Canadians who are trying to trying to reach their dreams and, and their goals of you know whether it be you know finishing up in college or moving on to that next level. And it's cool to see them uh, get those names out there. How did it come about that you managed to keep not only swinging a hot stick, but also throwing as well as you did? Because it's one thing that at a certain age, some people say you've got to figure out how to uh, specialize, yet you've been able to do both. You've been able to be that DH. You've been able to be the hitter, but you've also been able to keep throwing at a pretty good rate. I think as for cloud me and me and the coach sat down right before the season we tried to figure out what game i wanted to pitch and what game he wanted me to pitch knowing that i was going to figure into the plans on both sides of the ball and uh we decided that the first game would be good because then you know i could throw my game whether it's good whether it's bad i'd have the next three to just just focus on hitting not have to worry about a start coming up or getting hot in the pen just Leave my glove, leave my glove on the bus, and and go hit. When it comes to being drafted, what is the expectation for you? Do you think that they're going? Will the Padres be looking for you to be pitching, or are they looking to be a hitter? I'll just be a pitcher. It uh, it was something we talked about me and me and the scout did during the spring, but we came to the conclusion that uh, we see a better future for myself on the mound. And clearly, you're you're taking a bit of time off to to get some uh, to sur- to get some surgery done. Uh, walk us through this process and what you've you've gone through to this point, and anything that you might have learned through this process. It's a long. I got surgery in July. It's a long recovery. Um, I haven't even started throwing a baseball yet. I think we'll start doing that sometime in January. It's it's a grind. You know, people throw that word around all the time, but. It's you, you show up every day and you get to watch other guys, you know, throw and getting one step closer to being back on the mound. And you just got to remember that that's going to be you. And right now, you know, every day is a step closer to being able to throw again. Has there been anybody that you've been able to lean on from an experience standpoint to kind of walk you through this process? I don't know many people who've gotten Tommy John, but uh, me and one of my high school coaches, Taylor Burns, he got uh, shoulder surgery back when he was in college, and he had a really tough time with with his uh, rehab process. So I, I picked his brain a little bit about just some things to do. And the training staff here is awesome. They uh, they keep you motivated. They like to have fun. They they keep it loose, and everybody knows that it's it's not not easy to uh, recover from you know a major elbow surgery like that. But yeah, no, they they. They do a real good job out here with me. What's a typical day like for you right now? Uh, right now I wake up and I get to the complex. It's right across the street from where I live. Uh, I get there around 7.30. And then it's, you know, they uh, they have breakfast for us, eat there. And then at about 8, I start my warm-up. And, you know, that'll take about an hour. And then from there I have just some, some rehab drills, whether it be some shoulder strengthening or core strengthening and um or just just getting the arm arm used to uh or getting it ready to throw again and then you know that takes about an hour and a half and go out and do some conditioning and then i i lift 
after that, and then I'm I'm usually done around twelve twelve thirty. How much of this pro or how much have you learned about patience through this process? A lot, I think. Patience is is big in this rehab. A lot of people preach it. Uh, they try and tell you, you know, don't get too high, but don't get too low. The Tommy John recovery tends to be a roller coaster sometimes. If if you let things get out of hand, we have a couple guys here that are, you know, fourteen, fifteen months past surgery date, but they just they they just they haven't had a good good time with the uh, with the surgery because they, in their words, they they tried to rush it early. You, you don't want to rush it. You want to trust what uh, your trainers are telling you. And and that gets hard because you go in and you do the same thing every day. But, you know, it's a process and they're all building building blocks. And eventually, you you know, you build something good and being able to throw off the mound again. I'm curious. Take us back to the moment when you realized you were going to need it. Did you know during the season or was it something during the off season? Like when did you find out that you were going to need Tommy John? Uh, well, there was a, my last couple starts in Kansas, you know, some just, some fell off. It wasn't, you know, any big warning signs. Like I threw through it is just, I was recovering differently and it was taking a long time to get back to be able to, you know, throw my next start. Um, and then I found out in probably about the end of June that, I was going to need surgery just because I'd been here for a couple of weeks. We had, uh, we knew I had arm troubles. We took a couple of MRIs. We knew there was a, there was a tear in, in the elbow, but we were going to see if maybe we could uh, rehab a couple of weeks, try and get some strength up, see if we can take a, take more of the strain off the elbow and see if we could get me back into throwing shape. But that, that didn't work out. From this point now, you've obviously got a, a little bit of a road ahead, but looking ahead to 2019, have you set any goals out for yourself for this, this coming year? There's a rookie league out here called the Arizona Fall League, and that ends in August. And the way my trajectory is right now, I'm slated to start throwing the batters again around August. And just my goal right now is to be able to uh, throw in a couple of those Arizona League games. How important would it be for you to reach that goal and, and keep building uh, sort of the the brand of, of baseball Alberta from an Eric Sabrowski standpoint? Because I look at, uh, and I've asked this of a few people, is they look at a Mike Soroka, for example, and, you know, here's a 20-year-old kid who's getting the pitch in the show. How important is it for you to uh, to reach that kind of status, I suppose? Well, I think me and, me and Mike have had two different paths. So far, I mean, you know, he was a first rounder and, and a top prospect. I, you know, middle rounder, kind of a guy who, you know, the name doesn't jump out. And uh, I think it would be awesome if, you know, I was able to pitch against him one day in, in the big leagues. I think that would be awesome for baseball in Alberta, or baseball in Canada. Eric, thank you so much for the time and, and all the best in your recovery and hope to see you on a mound before too long. And we're hoping we can uh, chat with you again before too long and, and uh, hopefully with some good news. Absolutely. All right. Thanks, Joe. That'll do it for another edition of Alberta Dugout Stories, the podcast. We want to thank Tyler Hollick at Dogs Academy in Oak Tokes as well as Eric Sabrowski for joining us this week. 
We also want to thank you for listening, downloading, and subscribing. If you haven't already, help us out by leaving a rating or a review as it'll help us get noticed more on each of the platforms, be it iTunes or Google Play. Next week, we'll have another Academy Profile, and we'll also chat with another Albertan who made a lot of noise in college baseball this past season, that being Matt Lloyd. Again, thanks so much for listening to Alberta Dugout Stories, the podcast.